Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'm watching video of a 80-year-old man get arrested in Canada. He's about five feet tall. The cop's over six feet tall. Physically grabbing him, arm behind the back, moving the other arms, pushing him up against the car. Now, the question before us is, is this, uh, is this allowed? Was this, this was happening in the United States. Would this be oppressive? Wait, wait. Everybody involved is white, so it doesn't matter, right? No, it's all good. Okay. I just didn't know how these things worked out anymore. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today it's good to be with you. How you doing? 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. Be sure to find me on Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Uh, check out the Morning Rumble. It's my a daily morning video series. You catch it for yourself. The question before us is about unruly passengers. And I want to know from you, whether it's on Twitter at Tony Katz or whether it's email Tony at TonyKatz.com or 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Should we have a no-fly list for unruly passengers? Now, I'm going to get into it, but there's a fantastic conversation that I had not considered. And uh, uh, John Bachman, who uh, is over there at Newsmax, brought it up, and I'm like, that's very interesting. When you take a look at the midterm elections... It is very, very clear to most observers that Republicans are going to take the midterms. They're going to take the House. They're going to take the Senate. It's looking very bad for the Democrats. Now, don't count anything until it's done. Don't count anything until it is done. However, you can... Look at this and say, hmm, eh, it, it looks bad for the Democratic Party. It looks really, really bad for the Democratic Party in the House and in the Senate. And I believe that that, that it does. It looks really, really bad. Um, but the question that he's asking is, what happens, let's say the Republicans take over. What happens... When the Republicans take over to the January 6th committee. That's a really good question. Now, I had not considered such a thing because I would figure that they are going to put an end to it before the Republicans take power because the purpose of a January 6th committee is not to go over mistakes and things that happened uh, on January 6th, but rather ways to ensure that Trump doesn't run uh, for re-election or Trump gets attacked or Trump gets vilified or anybody else they want to, right? That's the purpose of this thing. That's the way I always saw it. Not as an honest conversation about things that took place that could be helpful to America's safety and and future. Heck, I can't even get a total condemnation of riots. I still have people like Ilhan Omar wanting to defund the police. Rashida Tlaib has paid out more than $170,000 to firm of an anti-Israel activist who supports defunding the police. That's who she is. She's an anti-Semite. That's all Rashida Tlaib has ever been. The woman who Congressman Andre Carson refers to as her sister, or his sister, 
is an anti-Semite, is a Jew hater, believes Israel shouldn't exist. That's Rashida Tlaib, anti-Semite Ilhan Omar. That's who they are. Don't care what name you call me. Don't get angry that I can see what it is that they're saying. I can hear them. And they're bigots. They're Jew-hating bigots. They are what they are, what they are, what they are, what they are. End of the story. But very interesting. Because uh, there were there were two schools of thought. And one of those schools of thought uh, came from... Uh, uh, came from... Uh, oh, oh who, who's his name? Uh, uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, Dan Crenshaw of Texas. He's like, I don't even want to hear about this thing anymore. Just let it go. Let it die. I think that's the way a lot of people feel. Matt Gates, who producer Ari loves, said that he's he's saying, no, 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 no. We can't let it stop. We have to take it over. And now you're like, this is this is fantastic barstool conversation. This is over dinner. This is over a drink. Which one would you do? And I got to tell you, I had not thought about it. And I saw I caught him talking about it. I'm like, ooh, that's really interesting. Do you take it over? You take all the information that they they've they've gotten. You, you show where they're 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 telling the truth and where they're lying. You show where they're hiding things. Do we get into things that are important? Or do you just be like, God, thank God this is done. Now maybe we can focus on things that matter. Once you start going down the road, it gets fascinating. You you tell me. You tell me where it goes. In the meantime, I got to ask about unruly passengers. Because when I find myself agreeing with Pete Buttigieg, when I find myself agreeing with the Secretary of Transportation, you know, it's 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 very very disconcerting indeed it is it's 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 upsetting it's like my god okay it's happening everybody stay calm what's the procedure everyone what's the procedure that's exactly where i'm at you mean pete Buttigieg and i have the same basic idea but the more i think about it the more i have questions about it and this involves people who act the fool on an airplane I cannot stand people who act the fool on an airplane. I want them removed from the plane. I want them gone. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to hear them at all. You keep me from getting to my destination, you're the worst, and bad things should happen to you. And so when there's this conversation about a no-fly list, an unruly passenger should be put on the no-fly list. I'm like, yeah. But now we have to ask ourselves, what is unruly? So, Producer Ari, I don't know if you want to tell this story or not. You were, you were talking about your, your, sure. your coming. You're, you're flying home. Yes. You had a honeymoon. You had the big honeymoon in, in, in Hawaii. Uh, uh, you, 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 you had a great time. You ate some poi. Oh. Uh, it was, it, it was great. Did, did you eat poi? I did. A lot okay. of it. It was, it was all terrific. You're coming home. You're on the flight. What happens? There is a, again, it's a 10 p.m. flight because when you're flying from Kauai to Indy, it's a 
11 hour flight, so it has to happen late at night. And we get on the flight, and some guy is like, Well, I'm putting on my mask. And the flight attendant was like, You have to put on your mask. That's the policy. And he did not want to do it. And so he got thrown off the flight. And so at 10 p.m., I'm like, Good, because I'm not about to deal with this nonsense. So the guy refused to wear his mask. He, was he perhaps inebriated? Uh, I, I couldn't say. That's not fair to me for me to say. But if you th- if you were saying your guess. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, and so, okay. Do we consider that, guys, an unruly passenger worthy of putting on a list that says he is restricted in his ability to travel? No. I Just for that one time, I would be okay with him not traveling. Oh, no one's going to make the argument that there are rules. And even I, who oppose masks and mask mandates, I still have people just just jabbering at me on Twitter. This is the good one. Your right to choose isn't more important than people's lives, and the amount of inconvenience is minimal. Public health takes precedence over you. If being an American means caring about, about others is wrong. Okay, first, public health does not take precedence over the Constitution. Never has and never will. The rights remain. If they don't remain in a crisis, they don't actually exist. What an un-American thing to, to say. Your right to choose isn't more important than people's lives. That's a weird, weird take. Weird, weird take to have because it's just like something you say. You never actually thought what it means, and I'm not about to decipher it for you. you got to decipher that one and then explain yourself uh, much, much better. I don't want the person who refuses to wear a mask told they can never fly again. Correct. Certainly, I have no problem if they don't take that flight. Sure. The airline is not your problem here. The airline is so absolutely regulated in every which way that if they said to the federal government, we're not forcing people into masks, well, they wouldn't be able to fly at all. It's a problem. Now, I will tell you, as someone who just took a flight uh, from Fort Lauderdale, back home to Indy and certainly have done done some planes. I have found that when you're holding a drink, no one really bothers you. Only once on a plane was I told to put my mask up above my nose. Just I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. No no one's bothered me. No one's no one's on my case. It 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 it, it isn't happening in that way. It doesn't mean it isn't happening for others that way because we've seen the videos. So, for example, when a family is told you have to put a mask on your two-year-old and the two-year-old um, is, is, won't wear the mask, that's not an unruly family. That's a flight attendant who needs to be uh, taken off of a flight. Let me say that again. When a grown man inebriated or, or, or otherwise impaired or totally sober, refuses to wear a mask, you take him off the flight. I'm cool with that. I got that. When a two-year-old won't wear a mask, you don't throw the family off. That's ridiculous. That there are flight attendants who would do that? It's embarrassing. It really is. And you need to be taken off the plane. You need to go because you're, you're wrong in your approach. No one cares that the two-year-old is not wearing a mask, except for, of course, this lunatic uh, who's, who's uh, you know, yelling at me on Twitter. I shouldn't say that. There are some people who think that you should force a two-year-old into a mask, but, you know, those people are deranged. Can we set the standard right now? Like, what is the standard? See, that's just it. 
what constitutes unruly? So we've seen the video of people who start fights on planes, people who punch flight attendants on planes. If you said, okay, America, here's where we're at. You punch a flight attendant on a plane who didn't punch you first, you don't get to fly again. Yeah, no, you're banned forever. But some people might say, whoa, 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 whoa. Why am I banned forever? If I punch somebody in the street, maybe I'll go to jail for six months. That's a terrible comparison. Oh, but it's but it's true, right? It's totally true. We wouldn't ban somebody from movement for the rest of their life. So what happens? We're in we're in a place with this conversation where we can get people of different uh, politics and different thoughts to agree on a basic. Don't act like a schmuck on a plane. But once you do that, once you get past that, how you figure everything else out is very, very difficult. Because if you were to say that the Secretary of Transportation is right and we should have a, 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 a no-fly list for unruly passengers, wait till you find out who's unruly. You create a situation of absolute fear. Now, we already have a system by which the captain at any moment can stop a flight, turn a flight around, land wherever they want, and remove people from the plane. I believe that that is proper. The captain is indeed the final arbiter of that plane. The captain is the final arbiter of what happens and who stays and who goes. Don't care if you like it or not. Them be the rules. You got to at least have that one. But the idea of a no-fly list for unruly passengers, wait till we find out what's unruly. Wait until we find out what's unruly. This is where the argument falls apart. So I favor not allowing people, you know, dealing with people who punch a flight attendant in the face or punch passengers in the face. I believe in throwing them off the plane, and I don't mind if charges are brought against them, and they could very well be federal charges because it's on an airplane which in and of itself is a larger problem than happening in your local municipality. But for forever, nah, can't do it. It's giving this federal government way too much power. Just can't have it. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So we were discussing what do you do about unruly passengers on a plane and is a no-fly list the answer? Do they not fly for forever? This is what's being discussed. The Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, is getting in on the conversation. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, Sally joined us right now, a former flight uh, attendant. And and Sally, uh, first things first, you've seen maybe possibly crazy things on a, on, a, on a flight. Has anybody ever tried to attack you on a plane? Not physically, but verbally, Absolutely. So there was a berating. There was nasty people being nasty. Absolutely. However, let me add that I did retire during COVID because of COVID. So I retired. I took the retirement that was offered uh, in July of 2020. I would still be flying if it were not for COVID. So, okay. So you, 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 you would have gone back. Now the question is, People who are, are acting up on a plane, and there's, I guess, different levels of acting up. 
is the answer never to let them fly again? How do flight attendants see it? Well, I think it would depend on the infraction. But first of all, let me just tell you that what it, it, it comes down to this, not adhering to crew member instructions. So that could be anything from not wearing your seatbelt and now to not wearing the mask, getting up out of your seat when you're not supposed to be out of your seat. Those That falls under not following crew instructions. And then, of course, it escalates, you know, then when you get into the verbal, the threats, the right. verbal threats, physical threats, and then, of course, anything that has to do with, uh, God forbid, hijacking or bombs or anything Whoa, no, like yeah. that. We're, we're, the, the, the terrorism stuff I think we see over here, we're talking about uh, the damn fool who won't wear a mask to the damn fool who Absolutely. decides to punch a flight attendant. The question Absolutely. is, do flight attendants think these people should be kept from flying forever? I would say that for the extreme cases, absolutely, because why should bad behavior be rewarded? You know, there have to be consequences for people's actions. I mean, you don't go, I mean, most rational people don't go into a restaurant or a retail establishment and, as you say, act a fool and just get away with it. I mean, we have to have some type of order and civilization. And here's the thing also. So if, if people aren't really intimately familiar with aviation, so if a plane has to make an emergency landing, every time a plane lands, they have to pay a landing fee. That is huge. So, okay, so what? We're just, the airline's just supposed to forget that? I mean, that cost has to get passed on. People complain about the price of tickets. We'll oh, wait a second. Don't, let's, let's not get overly confused, Sally, or, 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 or confuse the conversation. I'll make them pay. It's totally fine by me. Put the fine on them. The question here is about, you know, the, the idea of what is something that gets you kicked off of a plane versus something that keeps you kicked off of a plane. Sally, I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate the thoughts. We'll talk more in the future. That's the question. I don't think anybody's saying if someone's being unruly and the plane's got to land, it's on that dude. And I think everybody on the plane should get a hundred bucks for just having their time wasted. That's that's my take. Stephen A. Smith, Neil Young, these are the things moving America. Honestly, they actually are. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. And the nominees for Best Picture are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tick Tick Boom, and West Side Story. Now, if you're like me, you've heard of Dune. You haven't seen any of the other ones? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Uh, so in this list, there are certainly some that I've heard of. Licorice Pizza is is one of them. I hear good things. West Side Story, only because it's, it's Spielberg. People very upset that the Spanish was not given any translation 
but I have heard that the movie itself, Spielberg did very, very good work with. Tick, Tick, Boom is the story of the guy who wrote Rent. Jonathan Larson. That's it. Um, Rent is one of the worst stories of a musical in the history of musicals. I know you think that. But the book, but but the music, not the book, the music, stunning. The music is spectacular. How good it, it is. I believe Tick, Tick, Boom is uh, produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Correct. Okay, I got that much right. Uh, Dune is the remake of Dune, and if it doesn't have Sting, I'm not interested. <laughs> That's a great line. I have not heard of Belfast. I have not heard of Coda. I don't know uh, the King Richard. Oh, King Richard is the one with Will Smith, the father of um, uh, Serena and Venus Williams. Correct. It's a good and, movie. So it's a story about how uh, he made that happen. The Power of the Dog, I don't know anything about. Oh, it's great. On Netflix. And, and Nightmare Alley, I can picture the actor. Bradley Cooper. It's Bradley Cooper. That's right. I don't know anything about the movie. It's it's fine. The issue here is Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up is the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. That was and nice. and And um, um, Meryl uh, Streep. Meryl Streep and the guy, the guy. the the Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. That's it. And so this is an Adam McKay film. Ugh. Now, Adam McKay did the big short. I could watch The Big Short 24-7. The Big Short is so well done, even if they don't have the story perfect of how the housing collapse came, it's so well done, so spectacularly acted by everybody, even the minor characters, that I, don't, I, can't, I can't process how well done that movie is. It's incredible. But don't look up is this ridiculous nonsense green uh, global warming screed that we have a meteor that's heading towards Earth and we have to do something about it and and they go to Meryl Streep as the president and not going to do anything about it. And then Jonah Hill plays, I think it's her son or son-in-law who's the chief of staff and won't do anything about it. And oh, we got to do something about it, won't do anything about it. And then they're like, oh gosh, I guess this is heading for Earth. We're going to do something about it and it doesn't work. And then, well... You know, this is what's happening with global warming. If you would just pay attention, it's a lecturing bit of nonsense. And on Rotten Tomatoes, which does, re- I mean, people do trust it for the ranking of movies. I think it's got like a 52%, which yeah, is not was, a very good score. Yeah, it wasn't that good. Yeah, that's what everybody says. And that it's on this this list of best picture only proves what hot garbage uh, the Academy is in choosing things. They choose things based on uh, what they want to give love to, not based on good filmmaking. I never thought that before this Oscars, and then I saw that Don't Look Up was on there, and I was like, wow, this really is a joke. So uh, just like uh, the the Olympics, uh, I don't think people are going to be caring so much about uh, the Oscars, and if you want to know how bad uh, the the Olympics are, are going ratings-wise, well, here you go. Now this, about 16 million people tuned in to watch Friday's Winter Olympics opening ceremony in Beijing. Held amid coronavirus concerns and political tension, that's an all-time low for the program. According to data released by NBC Sports, it's a roughly 43% drop in viewers from the opening ceremony of the 2018 Winter Games. That was CNN reporting. Who didn't know that was coming? Who didn't know that was coming? 
You lecture to us, you scream at us, you go woke, 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 woke on us. What do you think is going to happen? Which brings us to Stephen A. Smith and this story out of the NFL. So the story out of the NFL, and and this is this is a killer for the NFL because they have had two weeks of the best football you have seen in a decade. Not good, not great. The best. The games have been incredible throughout the playoffs. There have been surprises. There has been great plays. There has been competition. Everything's come down to the wire. Everyone, everyone is like, this is, I mean, maybe your team didn't win. This is good football. And no one's getting lectured to. It's, it's, it's amazing. Then we hear the story of Brian Flores, the former coach of the Miami Dolphins who amongst other allegations is saying that he isn't getting hired because he's black. That's what he's saying. He's not hired because he's black. Now, in the NFL, there's something called the Rooney Rule. And the Rooney Rule says that teams must interview a minority candidate. I find this to be wholly offensive. Because even if the team were to decide on a coach, they still have to bring someone in of color And now they don't have any intention of hiring them, but they have to bring them in. So how insulting that is for uh, for for these these professionals who aren't the selection, and now they just gotta sit there and just have a cup of coffee. Will we wait for an hour? We have for an hour, and I'll go. Okay. Uh, While we're here, got any cool swag I can take? Kids love swag. I'm gonna go back on the plane. The kids, uh, they 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 love it. You got a nice view from 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 up here. And then that's the whole conversation. It's super insulting. It's super ridiculously insulting, if you were to ask me. But what's so fascinating is that there is a different bit of bigotry going on. Because, for example, the Houston Texans selected Lovey Smith as their new head coach. This guy has gotten a lot of chances. He was the longtime head coach in in uh, Chicago. He has worked as a uh, as an assistant coach for a long time. He was uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a while. So uh, he he got himself a, a, a gig, and congratulations to him. But over there at ESPN, Stephen A. Smith is unpleased. And he's unpleased because over there at the at Miami, a guy by the name of Mike McDaniel was hired as head coach. And to listen to Stephen A. Smith say it, uh, multiracial is not good enough. One. Number two. When we look at uh, Mike McDaniels, we wish him nothing but the best. What did you say? He's, he's mixed? Is that what you said, Molly? Uh, multiracial M- multi- is how he identifies. Multi, multi, that's multi-racial. how he identifies a multiracial. Yeah, multiracial. Okay, fine. No, no problem. Um, this was a conversation last week about black men. Can we just take, take a moment? Mixed? Did Stephen A. Smith just use the term mixed? I, uh... I, I, I think that might be an issue. I think, I, I'm pretty sure 
that utilizing the term mixed may not be considered, um, you know, uh, cool. That, that may indeed be a problem for a few people. But they were talking about black men being hired. Not getting jobs in the National Football League as head coaches. That's what, you know, you can be multiracial, that's fine. His father's black. That's, that's fine. I understand. I understand His father's that. black. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not knocking him. I wish him nothing but the best. I wish him nothing but the best. And he's been a coordinator in the National Football League. Good luck to him. Okay, what I'm saying is the conversation last week pertaining to the Brian Flores situation is the scarcity of black men who, are give, who have been given opportunities to be head coaches in the National Football League. The Rooney Rule was implemented in 2003. At the time it was implemented, there were three black head coaches. It is now 2022, and it's one. And the NFL owners signed off on the implementation of the Rooney Rule. Stephen A. Smith is making an argument. First, multiracial is not good enough. Just, just so we're clear. Just so we're clear, it's not good enough. He's also making an argument that the NFL owners are racists. And then you take a look at the players on the field, and then you'll hear, oh, no, 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 that's, that's different. It's the coaches where they're racist. See, they're selectively racist. Look, this is the argument they're making. I'm just noticing how peculiar it is. But the big one is he's letting you know that the Rooney rule isn't doing what he has decided it's intended to do. The Rooney rule was set up to ensure that a minority candidate would get an interview. He believes that the rule should be you have to hire. That's what he believes. Not because I say so, but because he's saying so. Now, let me tell you where I sit in this argument. I sit on the sidelines, drinking a bourbon, smoking a cigar, popping some popcorn, and waiting to see what happens next. You think I'm going to get worked up about this? This is all you. This is all you, Stephen A. This is the guy you want to be? Fine by me. You go ahead. You go ahead and you tell people who are, 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 uh, are, are multiracial that it's not good enough. No, 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 no. You go tell his dad that if only his dad had married a black woman, then his son would be deemed acceptable to coach the NFL. Go ahead. Go, I just want to be there when you do it. Sideline, bourbon and cigar, a little bit of popcorn, feet up. I just want to see it happen. I want to see the look on other people's face when you tell them they're not good enough because they're not enough. In your view. Weird take. Really bigoted. Something else. Joe Biden is supposed to talk about manufacturing. Good Lord, what is he going to say? I'm Tony Katz. So Joe Biden... Expected to deliver remarks about 
efforts uh, to more create or manufacture more goods in the United States. Manufacturing is everything. And the only question that's going to be asked is, what are you going to do to reduce the regulations to make this easier? That's, that's all I want to hear. What regulations are you going to reduce to make this easier to deal with? Because if that's not the case, and if it's all about those greedy corporations, that's, that's, that's foolhardy. That's a foolish thing to do. So he's scheduled to talk about that. We'll get into it. Um, meantime, Joe Rogan, they simply won't leave this dude alone. They won't leave him alone. It's ridiculous. Joe Rogan is terrible. Now Now it's Joe Rogan is a racist because he, he said uh, the, the N-word on his show uh, years ago doing his podcast. And then someone dug it up and has something to do with a group called Midas Touch, which is all about trying to go after people that uh, they politically disagree with. And how dare Joe Rogan, you know, uh, A, say something you don't like and just be like, hey, uh, I didn't like that. And how dare he have a different view on COVID than you, right? Than these people. How, How dare he? think that ivermectin has value because his doctor said so too. <laughs> the, the, you, Jimmy Kimmel lied about what ivermectin is and nothing happened to him. Total misinformation from Jimmy Kimmel and the people at CNN. Total misinformation. Nothing happens to them. J- uh, Joe Rogan has an honest conversation. and uh, it's, the, it's the end of time. Really and truly. Just incredible. So now they want to call Joe Rogan a racist. He's not a racist. He may have said some things you don't like, but are we going to engage context or not? Because I think context matters. Other people don't want context to matter. Oh, okay. Context doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter to you. There's nothing I can do to help you. Matters to me a great deal. It's very important to me that someone's having a conversation where I can clearly tell they're not insulting anybody, they're not hurting anybody, they're not trying to shame anybody, they're discussing something that's going on. But you can also make the argument that, yeah, even when you're doing that, don't do it, which has always been my take. But Neil Young said something that was so absolutely honest it needs to be shared. Neil Young, who said, I'm taking my music off Spotify because you have Joe Rogan, understand that Neil Young is the man. Right, Neil, Neil Young is it, it needs to be uh, fitted for his uniform because he clearly is just a, a government official. And his um, advice to people who work at Spotify: get out of that place before it eats up your soul. The only goals stated by your CEO are about numbers, not art, not creativity. I think that's fantastic. Fantastic piece of advice. There are many places you should get out of before it eats up your soul. And I think the first place that Neil Young should be speaking to is Nike about China. And then Apple about China. 
and then the NBA about China. And, and, uh, and it goes on and, and on and on and on. But he doesn't do that. No, no. Get out of Spotify. Still get advice. There are places where it can eat your soul. Don't be doing that. Go someplace loving and caring and wonderful where you can really express yourself. That's what you should do. I don't think that's bad advice. I tell people that all the time. Go to a place that makes you happy. Go to a place that's fun. Go to a place that's enjoyable. That's, I think that's good, solid advice. One man's theory right there. More to get to. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today.